2: Hey, how's it going, guys? This is Zuby, of course, host of the Real Talk with Zubi podcast, and I wanted to drop a quick message here with a very quick and simple but important request, and this is that if you are someone who has been listening to this podcast for a long time, I would strongly encourage you to please support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Zubimusic. I'm looking to expand the podcast this year. I'm also going to be working on a lot of new music this year, releasing new singles and a brand new album. And if you're someone who enjoys and appreciates my work as an independent artist, I would massively appreciate if you could support me financially on Patreon. Now, by doing so, you're going to also get access to the Team Zuby community as well as other perks. We have a private chat group on Discord, so if you want to stay away from Twitter and all the wildness and craziness of social media and just be talking to like-minded people, including myself, then you can join that. You can become a supporter from as little as $2 a month, and you can join the Discord for just $5 plus a month. Please check it out. That's patreon.com forward slash Zuby Music, Z U B Y music. Would love to have you on board, and it'll really help me to grow. Thank you. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick, and i for fame. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. And today we have got on the founder of Beardbrand, and this is the one and only Eric Bandholz. Welcome to the show, man. How are you doing?
3: What's going on, Zuby? Good to see
2: you. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you too, man. Good to see you too. At last, we've been uh, hoping to do this for a while, and now we finally yeah. got you on, man. So um, how you doing? Happy New Year.
3: Yeah, happy New Year! I'm. Uh, I think I'm like a, a lot of people out there. You know, surviving, finding some wins here and there, and uh, also like getting frustrated with things that are outside of our control. But you know, ultimately trying to focus on the things I can control and and uh, things I can't. You know, like try to let it roll off my back. Hundred percent, man. And
2: um, so I've done a super brief intro right there. But for people who aren't familiar with who you are and what you do, tell them a little bit about you.
3: Yeah, so uh, I'm Eric Van Holtz. I'm the founder of Beard Brand, beard Brand is a men's grooming company. We sell uh, products, obviously, for your beard, but uh, we kind of go beyond that with your head, your hair, your body, pretty much from head to toe. You can get uh, the same products and the same fragrance, which is pretty unique, uh, and we call that ending scent confusion. So we bootstrapped that company about eight years ago. We started in 2012. And uh, we've just kind of grown organically from there. And we're really like mission based. Our mission is to, to make men awesome. And you can't, can't see it, but right over there is a, a little flag that says keep on growing, which is our tagline. So nice. we really kind of focus on the individual and believe that when men take the time to invest in themselves, that they then you know can improve their family and, and improve their community, improve their careers, improve the relationships. And really through like a grassroots effort we're going to make a better world by simply helping men love the man looking back at them in the mirror.
2: Awesome, man. And what made you want to I know you've told the story multiple times in different interviews about starting your company and bootstrapping and all, and all that. But what made you want to start a men's grooming product company? What what was the seed for the idea?
3: Yeah, so uh, going way back, uh, I used to be a financial advisor at a mega corporation. And they wanted you to look a certain way, suit and tie, side part, haircut, and of course, no beard. Um, Among other things, like we could get into the whole like Federal Reserve and the the corruption of like big banking in America, uh, maybe for another time. But uh, (laughs) the job wasn't for me and I didn't really like identify with the style. So what happened is I ended up uh, quitting my job there and I grew my beard out and started a different business at the time. And while going to networking events, everyone would call me like ZZ Top or Duck Dynasty or <laughs> Grizzly Adams. And I love those dudes. Like, they're super cool bearded guys, super cool men. But, man, these hands were made for keyboards. Like, I am a, I am not a, a really, like, outdoors burly guy. And what I realized by going to these um, beard-related events that there are other guys out there like me who are a little more city-oriented Uh mm-hmm. So we ended up uh, coining the term Urban beardsman" to kind of describe me and and people like me. And what I wanted to do was really give Urban Beardsmen the tools they needed to feel confident about their beard, feel confident about their style, and really kind of embrace who they were as individuals. And that's where it started. So it wasn't so much like I wanted to get into grooming, and I like grooming products, and I want to make oils and stuff. But it was like, I want to help guys be themselves. I want to help guys, like, not feel... uh, like this happened to me, at least like I felt this societal pressure to look and behave a certain way mm. and, and behave in a way that I didn't really identify with. And I just wanted to be myself. You know, I, I don't think I think it's silly. Like if you grow facial hair, it doesn't make you any better or worse of an employee. It's just like growing your head hair. And I just wanted to change and shift that perception of what it meant to be a bearded guy. You can still be the Grizzly Adams and the ZZ Tops and the Duck Dynasties. But you can also be like a lawyer and a doctor and uh, an entrepreneur a musician and, you know, a business person, creative. And that's really where we wanted to start. And back in 2012, like no one had facial hair. So it was it was fun, like trying to, to show the world how it's okay to have facial hair. <laughs>
2: that's interesting, man. I mean, you said something
3: there that's really interesting. You were talking about, though you felt
2: like society was Pushing you in a certain way in terms of both how you should look, but also in terms of how you should behave. And I think that living in the modern Western world, this whole concept and question about masculinity is something that certainly over the last couple of decades has sort of become a conversation topic on multiple sides of the aisle, you know, in, in society and culture and politics, you know, you have people talking about toxic masculinity, Mm -hmm. you have people, you know, just asking what, what is masculinity in, in the year 2021, how, how is that defined? You know, what, what's the role of a man? I think if you look historically, um, it was always very, very obvious, right? The gender roles were a lot more explicit and clear and defined, and a lot of th- of that was for basic needs of survival, but with us now living in, rel- you know, not relatively, you know, very comfortable societies, those lines are getting a-, a bit more blurry. So what does masculinity mean to you personally?
3: We take probably like a, a little bit different spin than most people out there. Um, first of all, we love men. Like uh, we're going to blatantly say that we think men are awesome. Uh, our mission is to make them awesome, not... Not because they're not awesome, but because um, I, I think there's always room for improvement. We kind of have like a growth mindset at Beard Brand. So really like masculinity to me is going to be different than our customers. It's going to be different than my business partner, different than the team members here. And we kind of really like to focus on the individual. Mm-hmm. And it's like you as an individual know what you need to do to become better. You know, like, you know, the steps that you need to make, whether it's tackling demons in the past or whether it's, you know, getting in shape and lifting, whether it's eating right, whether it's, you know, working on your your relationships and your marriage and your and all that. So what we want to do is help encourage people to become better versions of themselves mm-hmm. through that self-investment. And I don't care. You know, frankly, like I have viewpoints, personal viewpoints of, of certain things, but I, I don't really care who you are or how you identify or how you get there or, or what your big. Big plan is what I care about is you're loving the person looking back in the mirror and, and you're working on growing.
2: Hundred percent, man. Hundred um, percent. I wanted to actually rewind a little bit because, as I said before, I know you've talked a lot about your business story, but I'm curious to learn a little bit more about you and your your life story. So we started we started from your corporate job, but of course, prior to that, you've got a. Couple of decades of life, I imagine, prior to getting involved in the corporate world. So, just tell us a little bit more about your about your your background and growing up and all that.
3: Yeah, so I, I grew up in uh, the South, South Carolina, and uh, I, I, my parents are still married. I have two loving parents, so I had a very um, I'm very fortunate to have a sheltered life. You know, I didn't uh, face a lot of adversity as a child. Uh, I did go to public schools um, in South Carolina, and. And there's a saying in South Carolina that is, uh, thank God for Mississippi, because uh, in uh, terms of academic performance, South Carolina was always one ahead of Mississippi. <laughs> um, so it's not like uh, I went to, to, you know, Boston uh, public schools or something like that. But uh, so I went to public school, uh, ended up going to university, University of South Carolina, uh, go Cox and studied. Uh, I think I'm the one guy who has a degree. Uh, who's using his degree? My my degrees in marketing and ma- management, focused on entre- entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. and then a minor in retail. So I've got an e-commerce business, uh, which is pretty much uh, to the T what you could have. So I, I I was able to pick up a few things in college, but um, you know I'll kind of talk about about schooling in a little bit. But uh, from there, I like got into sales, and I was kind of like a journeyman salesperson, and then politically, like I've always been, you know, the the whole. Uh, what do they call it uh, socially liberal uh, fiscally conservative i'm a libertarian and then like that that libertarian kind of evolved and uh, I, I i became more and more like uh I, I just wanted to be less and less hypocritical and that kind of led me towards like voluntarism mm-hmm. uh and free markets and capitalism and 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 uh avoidance of force and and just voluntary agreements and things like that so um, but schools, man, like I'm, I'm not a big fan of public schools. Uh, I'm not really even a, a big fan of college, uh, especially how they're set up now. I think there, there might be better options for, for kids in 2020s mm. than, uh, when we were growing up.
2: Can you go into that a little bit more? Cause I think that's an, I agree with you. And I think it's an interesting yeah. conversation actually, because we're both university graduates, but we both feel that same way. I feel like in the past in the past 10 years especially certainly in the uk i think in the us as well the sort of value proposition and opportunity costs of higher education higher university education let me be more specific i think it's shifted very drastically from what it was even when i was in university
3: well so growing up in the south um i I remember and my takeaways from the the education i learned was a celebration of of capitalism and granted, I kind of like my early years were the 80s and, and then the 90s, 80s and 90s is when I went to primary school. So I feel like uh, they're still just kind of on the end of like the, the the Cold War and, you know, anti-Russia and capitalism versus communism. So like to me, capitalism was kind of indoctrinated as a child, and I really bought into it. Mm-hmm. And then as I look at it now, I feel like there's there's this disdain for capitalism which blows my mind because I, I feel like they, the, the term capitalism has been uh, used to describe corporatism, which is the the, the relationship between the state and, uh, and uh, of course, uh, private Companies. giant businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas to me, capitalism is free markets and it's voluntary association and it's private property. I, I believe strongly in private property. And uh, from there, anything, Beyond that is a bastardization of capitalism. It's, you know, like a, everything's on a scale. Nothing's black and white. And then college, too. I think that I was able to um, go to college and and they had a um, they called it the life scholarship where they they rolled out this like new um, lottery thing and the lottery system paid the tuition mm. for my college. So my tuition was covered through the scholarship. And then, you know, again, I was fortunate that my parents were willing to pay for my room and books Uh, so I was able to graduate college with no debt at all, but nowadays kids are graduating like 60 K or hundred K or, you know, 150 K. And I'm like, you're, you may never see the results on that, especially if you're, you know, ending up as a barista at Starbucks. So my, my business partner here at Beardbrand, he knew college wasn't right for him. He, he left and he was able to like get started in entrepreneurship, uh, way earlier than me. And I feel like schools set me back. 10 years because what they taught me was to do as you're told, go to authority, you know, like just do whatever people tell you and you'll be successful in life. And I didn't realize that it was, in my opinion, especially now for b- small businesses, I don't want to hire anyone who wants to be, who wants to do what they're told. I want to hire people who can find problems and solve problems. Like I want to hire people with, you know, entrepreneurial mindset and I can't find them like, cause they're not teaching them in schools anymore. And it's just like an archaic uh, model that's propped up by you know special interest, and mm. uh, I would love to see like a uh, the destruction of it. And and our our girl, she goes to a, a special school uh, in Texas that's kind of like project based focus, kind of entrepreneurial focus. Okay. Uh, where I feel like she's, you know really my goal for her is that she still has a love of learning when she graduates. That's mm. that's the one thing I want from her because I felt like my love of learning was was squashed out of me.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's re- it's really interesting. Um, I think it's fascinating because people talk a lot about the the cost of education, and if you think about it properly, by definition, education is cheaper than it's ever been. Right? It's never yeah. been cheaper and more accessible to to learn what you want. You, we've got YouTube, podcasts, social media. You have uh, all these things, like you said, uh, Khan Academy, Udemy, all of these online platforms where you can learn truly valuable skills, whether it's programming, or copywriting, or drop shipping, or uh, starting a clothing company, starting a music label, like starting what, you know, whatever, you can learn all of these skills for free or for cheap online, Um, you know, how to become a personal trainer, whatever it is. And I think people are so stuck in the model of higher education and education in general, meaning the school system and the university system, that they haven't sort of switched in their head yet to realize look, education is not simply going to university you can you can educate yourself and you can educate yourself through different means and mechanisms which didn't exist a couple of decades ago and i hope that i hope that that shifts also as someone who you know is a we're both free market advocates that that would also bring the the cost of the universities down right because they keep jacking up their prices oh, yeah. while providing less and less value And that's because they're so oversubscribed because people are still stuck in this idea that you have to go and spend all these dozens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of pounds or dollars to get a so-called education. And a lot of people are coming out worse off. And then they've had the opportunity cost of spending that three or four years getting into debt when they could have been getting into profit and they could have been learning and they could have been, you know, building something. So I think it's kind of crazy.
3: I really feel like um, the the jobs that are more linked with the government. Mm -hmm. So wherever there's like a higher link between the government, like lawyers, doctors, and like the whole, you know, regulations behind that, you know, of course, like teachers, anything like this, like you have to go through the system to get a job there. Mm -hmm. But like jobs and roles that aren't related to government at all, like software developers, you know, like engineers, uh, business people, you know, creatives, like these type of roles, like you don't need any kind of formal education because the people hiring they don't care. Like the mm-hmm. first thing I do when hiring a creative role is look at your portfolio. Yeah. I don't give a damn what school you went to or what theories you know. What I give a damn about is the things that that you can do. You know, can and you, can, it's the can same. You, can thing. you do the work? Can you do the? Work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you do the work? And and schools aren't teaching that. They're not. They're not helping you understand that you have to figure out on your own how to be amazing. Uh, no one's going to tell you how to do it
2: if you ran a school or a university, how would you, how would you do it?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, a plug to the school system that my daughter's in, cause I would just, I would set a franchise up for them. It's called Acton, A-C-T-O-N. Mm-hmm. And it's very like freedom based, very entrepreneurial based. And they even have uh, an MBA program. That's like real world building a business and like just analyzing case studies and learning uh, that way. So, uh, i would just i would just go with that i think it's probably the best school system that we've run into the the people that we have one um eleanor has one classmate whose parents i think they interviewed like 200 different schools around the world mm. and, and the acton school was the one that they chose because it was really like of all those 200 it was the, the best model for well at least for their kids yeah. so um, yeah, look into that Acton Academy, and they 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 are like aggressively growing. So they have chapters all around America, and and I do think they're even starting to get track chapters internationally as well. Interesting.
2: Okay, yeah, I'll definitely look into that. I think um, I think that that's one area of life where I'm very much like a, I could define myself as a progressive when it comes to like the education system because I do think it's really. Archaic and stuck in the old way of doing. But is things. that
3: progressive? I mean, I feel like that's uh, progressives <laughs> to want to keep it the way it is, and yeah, yeah uh, the entrenched.
2: He, like, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, these eating. days, liberal means conservative, conservative yeah. means liberal, <laughs> progressive means regressive, regressive means. I, I, I don't know what the labels mean, but yeah, by its, by its proper definition, um, yeah. I would say that I would say. And, that.
3: and really, I think it's just adapted in the marketplace, right? Really? Like because yeah. the needs of businesses are changing, mm-hmm. where you used to have. Like the 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 manufacturing systems where you did need cogs in the wheel, yep. but now you need minds. You need minds that can think for themselves.
2: Yeah, man, hundred percent. So I'm curious to uh, talk a little bit more. We were talking a little bit about masculinity before. What do you think is the current state of masculinity in the Western world, and where do you think it's kind of going? I feel like there's, I feel like there's a lot of there are a lot of sinister forces trying to undermine. Boys and men, and and male female relationships as well. I, I feel like they're, I feel like they're kind of trying to undermine everybody. I feel like, I feel like there's forces and movements trying to undermine women. There's stuff trying to undermine men. There's stuff trying to, you know, pathologize boys, pathologize pathologize male female relationships. There just seem to be a lot of strange cultural and social forces floating around out there, aggressively. I, I don't know exactly what their goal is but they seem to be wanting to stir up some trouble so i don't know what you think about that
3: yeah i mean it's a it's a touchy subject and it's one that we we talk a lot about here because it's something that's important you know my answer and my wife's answer are going to be completely different and i I, my wife is diametrically opposed to me in almost every like political and like that's that's interesting yeah yeah so (laughs) i mean i think it's i think to have a relationship where you see completely differently uh, but we've been married 14 years, two kids, good. is uh, respect. You know, I have respect for her, and I can, you know, to a certain degree, understand where she's coming from, even though I don't agree with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do feel like, you know, like from my perspective, at least like on the Twitter, there's almost like a an attack of being like a, a, a white guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it doesn't really feel good because like, you know, you make sacrifices for your family, you work hard, you know, some people are putting their literally their lives on the line by working these jobs and, and you don't feel like you're getting respect. And I understand that there are, you know, kind of like systemic like structures that, you know, like have inherent biases. Um, I don't think you're ever going to escape biases. I think every single individual has biases. I think it's kind of ingrained in, in humanity to, to, be able to quickly do that and it's a survival trait. Sure. Um, will we ever be able to work through that? I you know, you know, hopefully maybe, uh, if you become aware of it. Um but I do, yeah, I think it, you know, if I'm thinking about being a six-year-old boy now and trying to grow up and, and trying to take advantage of a lot of the traits that I have, it may be challenging. Um me, I'm like a I'm like it's easy for me because I'm I'm a straight white man uh who's tall who's fit who's you know successful like i uh, i was asking my wife i'm like what do you think of the patriarchy and she's like <laughs> she's like she's like down with the patriarchy and da, da, da. and i'm like hey, my wife is Ann. i'm like Ann, you realize that i am the patriarchy like i am exactly <laughs> she, married the, she married the patriarchy <laughs> she, yeah she married and like she's 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 a stay-at-home mom and uh <laughs> you know like we're living in like traditional gender roles yeah. um and we're okay like the reason're I'm successful at beard brand is because my wife worked when we started and she had the 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 income coming in to support that ramp up period so like the roles were reversed and I wasn't the breadwinner for a period of time and I was even like a stay-at-home husband you know a house husband uh, for a period of time so like I w- what I want to have is a world where if someone chooses, to be uh, you know like their roles are reversed that it's okay like that as an individual you'd be treated the same way as any other individual but i don't want to do that in a way that's um, damning anyone who chooses the alternative yeah and um, i I almost feel like this with with feminism uh, where they attack women who choose to go like the the stay-at-home mom route because being a mother giving birth to children and like managing a family is is so like, it's so, first of all, it's probably one of the most important things to society. And then it's hard as hell. It's so hard. Like, there's no way I could do it. Like the things that my wife does, I have no capabilities at that at all. And, uh, and on, on two factors, I want to say if you're the type of guy who's really good at that and you want to be a stay at home dad and raise a family, like, I'm cool with that, I'm I'm powered to you. And if you're the woman who wants to do that, I'm powered to you because it's super hard. And then if the roles are reversed, I'm also okay with that. Yeah. But, but don't just, don't try to put everyone into your preference uh, for life or, or society is, is kind of where I stand.
2: Yeah, man, no, 100%, man. I mean, like when I think about it, by the time my mom was my age, she had five kids. <laughs> Like, like all five of us, all five of us have been born by, I, I have no kids yet. Right. And I'm yeah. like, man, when my mom was my age, she already had the five of us and what I'm just like, now, now, now I'm that age. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like I've am like, i always respected my mom. <laughs> I'm like extra respect. Like that's, uh, well, that's... I mean,
3: my wife, my wife will leave for an hour to go to target or something. I'll have like the two kids and I'm like, <sighs> <laughs> and they come she comes home and I'm like they're alive they're alive so I mean I can't imagine your mom with, with five little yeah. ones that's wild
2: yeah no it's uh it's it's remarkable and you know one of my biggest issues with uh some ass- I've got a lot of issues with the modern feminist movement but one of the biggest ones is that I think it's I think it's actually kind of like sexist against women I think I think it's sexist yeah. against both men and women I think it like it, it tries so hard to force women to compete and be like men Mm -hmm. rather than embracing femininity and actually embracing what it was initially supposed to be, which is like, you know, liberation, right? Freedom. Like you're saying, if if someone wants to, if a woman wants to take a more traditional route and be a stay-at-home mother and raised, like, why should that be shamed, right? That should be fine. I thought the the whole idea was supposed to be about, like, uh, autonomy and choices, right? So if you want to take that route, you can take that one. If you want to take that one, you can take that one. And you're not going to be shamed and you're not going to be demonized. So I find it funny how oftentimes it's the people who call themselves uh, so-called feminists who are the ones doing that demonization of other women. And then, of course, doing that demonization of, of men as well. And it's, yeah. the whole thing just strikes me as very hypocritical.
3: Well, I want to I kind of add on to that because my business partner, she's a woman. She describes herself as a feminist. And, okay. and I would agree with her version of, of feminism, which is just... Like equal, equal opportunities, right? Like you, you treat a woman in the office the same way you would treat a man. Like if you're at a conference table and there's you know uh, five guys there and one girl, the assumption isn't that the woman is automatically going to be the secretary. Like things like that, like that's, where that's, to me that to
2: me that's just politeness. Like it's yeah. not you know because oftentimes when someone says, "Oh, well, feminism just means you think men and women should have like." equal rights and be treated fairly. I'm like, maybe by its original definition, it meant that, but in the modern interpretation, it doesn't, you know, like what's yeah, the word? Or what, what we see, you know, like what's, what's the, 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 the word? Wild. Yeah, you know, I often say like, what, what's the word for someone who thinks that black people and white people and Asian people should be treated equally and fairly? You don't need a word for it, right? It's just like, yeah, it's just that's just humanity, like being, right? yeah, that's just being like a modern, decent human being. Maybe back a hundred years ago, it was more of a radical concept. So you needed like a specific word for it right because the general populace didn't have that attitude but like now that 99 percent of people do i'm kind of like yeah well everyone thinks men and women should have i'm not seeing people advocating for women to have their voting rights revoked or for like yeah. them to you know right like i'm not i'm not seeing that so
3: Yeah. And I want to be clear, like like, I'm, I'm not a woman, so I don't know what, I don't know what women go through. Right. I I don't know. Kind of like the nuances, just like, I'm not a black guy uh, (laughs) or or like I am who I am. So I only know my perspectives and I have my own inherent biases. I I
2: identify as a woman sometimes though. Oh,
3: that's right. I forgot. So I can, I
2: can speak to both sides of the equation.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Is is it pretty good being a woman?
2: Um, Did I pick pick the wrong? when, When I'll tell you what, my career really started taking off once i identified as a woman
3: oh yeah i'll tell you that there you go
2: and i didn't take a pay cut either
3: (laughs) i uh i think i think you commented on this before and this was a, a like in my like i always have this route to like how do i not be a hypocrite like how do i like follow this pathway and be logically consistent and i was thinking about gender and and how it's now kind of appropriate where you can identify as a different de- gender, and my wife's a genetic counselor, so I kind of understand some of the the genetic components behind some of these uh, things. Like, uh, there's a Klinefelter syndrome, which is like, uh, I think it's like XXY, where you essentially have um, like your your chromosomes are, are built differently. And, and like, how do you identify, and where do you sit on the the left and right spectrum of of gender, or try to fit it, put everyone in a box? And like, I, I get understand that messaging. Um, oh, shoot. I just went on a ramble and I don't even know where I'm going now. Oh, no, but anyway, right, it happens. <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> it happens. But um, Eric, look, we're in a new year right now. It is 2021. What are, you, what are your thoughts about this year? What are your thoughts coming into this year? Because we've been living through and we still are living through some very weird times. As I record this, I'm in the UK. They've put the whole country back on full-scale lockdown as of about a week ago, um, and it's just it's just weird. I mean, this has been going on now for about ten months. It looks like in every different every, every different city, every different state, every different country, the situation's different. The rules are different. There's places where it looks like you know, it looks like places like Florida, it's fully open and you can go to nightclubs and music concerts and stuff. And then in Texas, maybe you're somewhere halfway. It looks like California is pretty hard locked down. UK is like Alcatraz. So what is going on here? And what are your just your your general thoughts?
3: Yeah, I mean, um, well, a couple of things like um, uh, my core values are are freedom, hunger and trust. That's what the company's core values are. That's kind of how we see the world and, and how we want to, to To the kind of world we want to be in, so in my opinion, uh, more freedom is always good, even though it may come with like negative uh, things that happen with it. Um, so I'm I'm hopeful that uh, we can find more freedom in the year. I think uh, you know, talking with uh, Carlos who who works at Beard Brandon, who you know, mm-hmm. um, he seemed really down and he kind of felt like America was going to come into a lockdown, and and I kind of feel like. I don't know, like the the feeling in um, here in Texas, at least, is like it's it doesn't feel like it's going to get any more lockdown or any more worse. It feels like uh, Americans have gone through that. They're not going to accept any harsher lockdowns, at least here in Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, Other states maybe are a little more open to it. I'm, um, you know, but ultimately, like like with the election, um, I can't control the outcome. Sure. So all I can do is control how I respond to it. So I, as much as possible, I try to remind myself to, to live in the present mm-hmm. and what's going on today and what I have control over and all the things that I, maybe I need to know and be aware of, but not let it consume me. So um, and I've gone through like periods of uh, like a couple of weeks where I was depressed or, or down or gloomy. And uh, I was actually like building my home gym. So help me help me get out of that.
2: Yeah, man, the the, the gym shutting down is a is a big one. It's a big one, oh, you yeah. know, Ob- obviously for me, but for you know, for millions of people. I mean, I-, I it's just insane, you know, this is the so-called in the name of public health and I'm it, it's just nutty to me that you you're talking about public health and you're talking about you know, saving lives and whatever and you're shutting down all of the outlets, you know, you're shutting down the outlets that people need to be healthy. And, you know, people are, people's physical health is declining. People's mental health is really deteriorating. Like people are not, there's just like a bad, there's just a bad energy. I feel it online. I feel it when I go outside, there's just like this negative, there's just like a black cloud over, over everybody. Like obviously the, it's zero degrees outside the, the temperature and the darkness is not helping, but it's just, it's just gloomy. Everyone's just a bit. Everyone's just a bit more angry. People are snapping at each other quicker. People are, you know, treating everyone like they're diseased. Taking these weird round, wide berths around each other. People afraid to shake hands. Not seeing smiles because people have their faces covered. The whole thing's just very dystopian to me. Like I, I do not like it. Like I, yeah. I, I, I just, I, I cannot. I've. It's really, really like been affecting me. Like the past eight months. Like after about after the first two months, I was like, okay, like enough of this. Like this is. This is insane. And it's not making sense. And then they just keep like slamming down, slamming down, changing directions. It's very, very frustrating
3: as a, as an entrepreneur, like the world likes to to see option a and option B and like give you a, you know, a false, false choice between the two yeah. as solutions, like lockdown or not lockdown. And, yeah. and as an entre- entrepreneur and as a con- contrarian, like, I like to see different kind of solutions. So like, my solution would be, like, more exercise, more sunlight, you know, more, like, build up that immunity. How do you yeah, yeah. get people healthier? How do you help them eat right? How do you, you know, take solutions to that, mm-hmm. which, you know, like, maybe aren't quite a scene but have such a big impact on people? Um, I would much rather go that direction. Uh, but but no one even thinks about that. You know, it's, yeah. it's just the... Yeah, do I make it look like I'm trying and I get bonus points for that? And yeah. even if it works or it doesn't work, you know, they yeah. don't care if it it's works. Just, it's just that,
2: That's what's insane, though, because this is the third – this is the third – lock. really, it's the fourth lockdown. But it's like if the lockdowns have been working, like, then you don't need to do another one. And if they're not working, what makes you think that the fourth time around, it's going to suddenly – okay, this fourth time, we got it, right? We're going to do it the fourth yeah. time and suddenly – we're gonna we're gonna crush this thing and it, it doesn't make sense. And I think even the in the UK, I mean, now they've got the vaccine. I was reading today that I think over one and a half million people have have had the vaccine so far. So I'm kinda like, well, if the vaccine is there, just prioritize it to elderly and vulnerable people to start with and then, you know, obviously I think everything should be voluntary and let people live, you know. There's more to there's more to life than not contracting COVID.
3: Right? There's well, I mean, I think in my mind, like if if there's truly like this terrible disease that's going to kill everyone, you don't need to tell them to lock down. Yeah, exactly. You just show them the data and the science that says, Hey, avoid people. Exactly. Or else you like, like, here's all the people that died who didn't avoid people. Mm-hmm. People are going to do it on their own. They don't exactly. need to be forced to do it. So the fact that you have to force people to do something means it's probably not the appropriate level of, of response for yep. people. And, and when uh, you
2: And when you see the people who make the decisions breaking the laws as well, then that's how you know. You know it's so no, clear. Yeah. It's like okay, you guys don't. You guys don't believe what you're. You don't believe what you're selling. You don't believe what you're yeah. saying.
3: You know? But people are scared now. Like they're they're legit scared, yeah. and uh, it's weird. I've never seen people so afraid before, no. and and it's it's divisive. You know, it's like built this new thing. Like even between my wife and I, like we see the world oh, differently. Really? Yeah. And um, you know, like we've had a lot of you know arguments and conflict about what we believe and how we should handle things and how my daughter should handle things. And, Mm -hmm. uh, it's just frustrating, you know, that we have to even have this conversation, but you know, I think there's been a lot of divorces during this time period because of that. Like, yeah, it's, you know what, I, I do have a question actually, As, as a man who's been married
2: for 14 years and based on what you've said, of course you don't need to go into anything more personal than you'd want to, but how do you, um, how do you, how do you manage, manage having, um, a very different, political or ideological perspective to to your wife because i know that that is something that i know i know it happens but actually i don't know that many if i think of like couples i know they tend to be whichever sort of side they're on they tend to be fairly aligned so how do you what are your sort of tips and tricks to to managing that how does it work because i I don't know because i because i'm saying this honestly because i don't know if i would be able to i don't know if i'd be able to do it Personally, I like,
3: think. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, it, it's certainly challenging and we've certainly <laughs> had our arguments over <laughs> politics over the years. I, yeah. I think a couple of things, um, they, they come back to, to I can't control and my wife. Right. You know, I can only control me and I can only control how I react to things uh, that she believes in. And then um, I think about like, you know, my political beliefs as like a voluntarist. No one's like that. Right. You know, if I had to to like find someone who's right in line with my political beliefs, like I would, there would be like three women in America. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my option. So, like, <laughs> I, I don't think anyone's ever going to completely agree, sure, a hundred percent on your political view. Sure. Um, so, if, if that's a requirement, then you're you're writing everyone off. So, where we do align is like respect for each other, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we're not attacking. And then we kind of we do have. Like shared insight on we both work hard we both you know manage our money well but she's also like i'm a non-believer and, and she's you know uh she's a believer so uh we're different in in like all the big ways that That's that they say not to be yeah. but uh, i'm also okay like because i don't really believe in the political po- um, process like you know i don't think her vote is really going to affect me anyway you know it's like Unless she started spending like thousands of dollars for polit- uh, political contributions, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. which she doesn't, um, uh, that would be the only thing that that would probably upset me. But her vote, like I don't think votes matter, and I don't participate in voting and okay, you know stuff like that. So yeah,
2: no, it, it's it's really interesting. I always like to uh, I like to you know make, make 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 mental notes on certain things and just yeah. be like, okay, how do people
3: and then people then uh, I'll speak for my wife, and she makes it work because I'm just stunningly gorgeous with a great beard and <laughs> and hair, and you know you just can't can't one up exactly. this at all. There you
2: go, So such a miss. Just, <laughs> just just be, just become like the ultimate man, and yeah, and, and,
3: and for clarity, that's not not why she <laughs> not why she's she's married to me at all.
2: <laughs> the be- the beard does help though. I, I I put um I put a list out with some recommendations for young men a couple of weeks ago, and grow a beard was on there that that would that seemed to be the most controversial um really item item on the list yeah a lot of people were were questioning the beard advice but
3: um no it's a great experience especially if you (laughs) grow for a year because like if you grow for a year your 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 whole look is completely changing like a, a scrub you know scruffy beard or a mustache, or like this length beard, or like a really long beard, you're like completely different personas. And it's really interesting to see how different people react to you in society. And it also is like different from like a perspective, like when I have a beard, I feel much more confident, I'm like a lot more likely to call out bullshit. Uh, Before that, I, I really didn't feel that kind of like strength. So I do think there's a lot of I mean, I think every guy should try growing a beard, whether or not they like it or not. But they should they should try to grow one out and see what it's like for them.
2: Yeah, man, agreed, hundred percent, guys. So any man listening here, um, if you don't already have a beard,
3: or a woman, if you're a woman who can grow a beard, uh, growing out. There are uh, there are some women who grow beards out, and and we, uh, yeah, no, there are customers. So like. It'll it'll definitely change
2: your life. Whether it'll be positive or negative, as as a man, I think it'll be a a definite positive. As a woman, try it. It'll be challenging. get, Mm -hmm. Get back to me. You know, you'll you'll experience something. I don't I don't know. No guarantees there.
3: Well, I mean, for for us, it's like embracing who you are, right? If you do nothing, the default self is beard. True. Right. You have to do something to not have a beard. Mm-hmm. So it's really like embracing who you are, what comes out of your face, what comes out of your hair. And and really like going back to what I said earlier, love the person looking back at you in the mirror. Like that's the big thing for me is how do we help people doing that? And it's a lot of guys will be like, I want a thicker beard or full beard or I want it to be this or less patchy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, let me tell you, the moment you can love your beard as it is is when things really start getting great and then you can find beard styles that work with your growth patterns and kind of work with what you got rather than changing who you are
2: no doubt well we're talking to a beard expert right here so what are, what are some tips on there's a young man listening to this right now and he he needs some tips on growing or managing a beard so what what are your top tips from eric bang from bangles i like that what, <laughs> Banholz, what are the <laughs> what, what are your top tips on uh on growing and managing a beard
3: well we, we've created like over a thousand videos on our youtube channel so uh if you need anything specific just go to youtube and type in beard brand you know whatever beard thing you can think of um but for, for the, the big things that we kind of run into are you know like for growing a beard you got to give it time and time is typically going to be like 30 to 90 days of growth mm-hmm. before you trim it or shave it up and that's really going to give you uh, insight into what you can grow, because not all the beard hairs grow at the same speed. And then product from day number one, uh, it helps the growing experience much better. Your beard's going to be less itchy. Uh, it's going to be it's going to smell nice. It's going to be uh, more tame. It's going to look nice. You're going to be able to get away with having that facial hair and uh, the new facial hair. And then, uh, like I already talked about, you can't compare your beard to others. You have to start to embrace your own. And then find inspiration with people who have similar growth patterns to you and use those as like kind of beard, you know, idols or whatever, beard uh, um, targets uh, to grow into, rather than, you know, like looking at my beard as a red beard and wishing that you with a, a dark black, curly beard wish you had hair like that's not going to work
2: so (laughs) yeah no i don't think our beards would would work too well switch around
3: (laughs) and then uh i mean it's just like uh uh from there you can go like a little more advanced like on the styling techniques and you know how to to tame the mustache and using a blow dryer uh to really kind of tame it so there's a there's some advanced stuff out there as well but those are kind of like the highlights awesome so they should they should check out the youtube
2: channel subscribe to it beard brand on youtube I've, I've checked out multiple videos on there and uh got some decent tips from it so no doubt oh good thank you, thank you. <laughs> one thing i really love that you guys have done is you really embraced social media very well which is something that a lot of companies don't do i think newer newer companies tend to be better at it than older ones um but how did you go about building the following on social media especially with youtube because you got over a million got over a million subscribers on there so, what gave you the idea to pursue the social media path and then what sort of steps did you take to go about doing it
3: yeah so i um uh, i would love to say i had like this great big master plan and vision that we executed flawlessly but the reality is when we launched beard brand it's completely bootstrapped i, I started with a 30 dollars investment into a shopify you know store mm. and uh, a, a an order from a beard oil manufacturer at the time and every dollar we made, we put back in the business. So when you have no dollars and you want to get the voice out, what do you do? You you do things that are time intensive. Yep. So for us, I meant Tumblr, which no one uses anymore. Mm-hmm. But Tumblr, YouTube, and our blog. And fortunately, those were, uh, well, first of all, we are kind of like the first company in the space to really talk about beard care and managing beards and took, like, beards seriously. Most people, was just kind of like a joke mm-hmm. or kitschy and uh so we took it serious and we gave serious advice with you know like with humor and stuff but um and then we just did a lot you know and you learn from it you see what people say i created a video on this and i'd get comments well could you do it on this or do it on that mm. and then i'd make a video on that so it kind of is just like a, a product of the needs of of our audience and wanting to serve them and i run into uh YouTube has great analytics, so you look at the analytics and see what videos are resonating, which ones people are watching, and try to create those, but create them better. Mm. And uh, that's kind of the direction that we went over the, you know, the past eight years. It's been a long journey, yeah. um, but it's been a lot of ups and downs. We're, we're currently in a down with our YouTube channel, so trying to figure out how to like, bust through that and, yeah. and get it back going up. And, uh, yeah, it's just YouTube is journey. weird
2: because you know how it decides to feed your videos is, is very random. You can have a oh, video yeah. that's like performing really, really well. And then one day it just, it just stops getting views and your yeah. channel just, you know, like your channel is growing at a certain rate and then, and then it just, it just stops or it just slows down. Yeah. You're like, okay, what do I do here? Um, I think, I think they're constantly switching up their algorithms. So I, I think there's an element of just luck and timing. Yeah. In there.
3: Yeah. And what worked for us in 2017 when we, we had a lot of growth, doesn't work for us now, you know, like, so we're, we're trying to recreate, uh, our, production workflow and, and how we produce things and, you know, try to create content that resonates with uh, the audiences out there. So it's definitely uh, definitely challenging definitely hard. And it's always evolving and always adapting. But if it's not social media, it's business. You've yeah. you've always got to be able to do that. That's and my right. apology to all the listeners. I'm, I'm right by the highway here at the Beard Brand office. So there are wow. sirens going by. That's all good, man.
2: Um, which platform has been the most effective one for you in growing your business? Would you say it's been YouTube or another one?
3: Yeah, I would say YouTube has been a big part. I think uh, we do a post-purchase survey and 40% of our customers first heard about us through YouTube. So yeah, I, I'd say that's definitely been a big one for us, but we've, we've, you know, I don't like Facebook and Instagram. I, I don't like Zuckerberg. Um, so I've de my phone and uh, but we still like advertise on there. My team advertises on there, and I think it's a good way for us to get in front of people from a, a paid acquisition standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I personally just like Twitter. You know, I I had a bigger following on Instagram, but I didn't I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. So I, I Twitter's I, more fun.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Twitter, totally more is, fun. Twitter is chaos, but it's it's. I think it's. I don't know. You peop, you've, people you've cracked that nut, me.
3: man. Like <laughs> I, I, I haven't cracked the nut yet. I, I had yeah. one tweet go go viral where I I said it's rude to ask guests to take their shoes off in oh, their okay. house, and uh that went like super viral That's for interesting. me. And uh yeah, that was fun. It was fun to be, and of course I got ratioed and all that. No one yeah. agreed with me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh gosh yeah the, the viral season at this stage like i get at least i get at least like two or three a day so i'm just like okay let me let yeah. let me let let me let that one just go off and do what it does like i'm not going to even read the mentions of the notifications
3: cause... well you know one thing i would advise people who want to get into the world of creating is like if you create something that doesn't hit or is negative just create more content you know like just keep on doing it create ones that are better than the last one and I don't. I don't delete old posts. You know, I just move forward. Mm-hmm. You you can go through my my Twitter feed and find probably some very terrible things I've said over the years, <laughs> if you want to. I I think it's mostly like uh, you know similar, but like yeah. I mean, it's uh, I, it's terrible for me. I want to say like terrible in the whole grand schemes of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. But-
2: that's all good, man. We 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 we're not worried guys like us aren't worried about being cancelled. The, the beard the yeah. beard prevents the cancellation. That's-
3: I uh, it's funny because even yesterday I, I tweeted something. It was a joke. I said, uh, you know, busy day at work, what did I miss? And then like I got a direct message from someone who's like, Hey man, I've seen a couple people say this kind of stuff and you're gonna get canceled as like the rich white guy who's out of <laughs> touch and I'm like, Okay, well if I this is the tweet that gets me cancelled, it gets me canceled, you know, like yeah. I'm lucky my business partners are like, you can say whatever you want to say, you know, because they believe in me. I they guess, believe yeah, in yeah. what my values are and my philosophies. And, yeah. and I want to do good for the world. I'm not out here trying to like divide the world and, no, no. and tear people down. I'm trying to help elevate. And and if people can't, you know, if I end up saying something that gets us canceled, then, then so be it. You know? like yeah. Some I mean, people take
2: the world too seriously, man. People need to People need to relax and just have a sense of humor about certain things, like especially on social media. I think, again, I do think like all all these lockdowns and all this other stuff is having a big impact on people's psyche. Oh yeah, but but with with Twitter just in general, anyway, man. There's just a lot of angry, malcontent people on there, and you've got to just kind of accept that.
3: And well, it's well didn't get to it. didn't like the the Twitter like recommend like how to use Twitter was like have clear, concise, and uh, controversy was like the third one so it's like (laughs) their their whole algorithm's designed for you to say things that are controversial and get people riled up and get people fighting each other and i think it's terrible i wish they would (laughs) change the algorithm to be more supportive and loving and make the world better but Uh, you know they're trying to make money
2: (laughs) fair enough man
3: what do you have planned
2: for what do you have planned for 2021 man anything uh anything big coming up this year Yeah, I mean,
3: 2021 is like a super, super stoked year for us because over the past eight years, we've had this vision of having multiple products available in multiple fragrances, Mm -hmm. uh, which is really, really, really hard to do. So we have like 12 different products, all available in six different fragrances and two different price points. And um, it was all building up to this concept called scent confusion. And uh, we talked about it earlier, scent confusions when uh, you wear one product for your head hair shampoo, body soap, one product for your beard, and you end up smelling like you walk through a drugs, drugstore cologne aisle. And um, we wanted to end that. We wanted to end scent confusion. Uh, so pretty much your head hair shampoo, your body bar, your shave soap, your uh Beard oil, beard wash, styling products, deodorant, mm-hmm. all these products you can now get, all the grooming basics for guys you can get in the same fragrance. So it took us eight years to get to that. And we finally, with the launch of our deodorant, was our last product to kind of kill that mm-hmm. um, or build out that line. So this year's just been like hitting on scent and confusion, scent and confusion, scent and confusion, bringing awareness to that and hopefully helping guys who have struggled with that before, you know, find a, a product line that serves them. And then we'll have like a couple of like limited edition collaborations along the years and some unique products. And, um, I'll try to, I, I've got a podcast as well, an e-commerce podcast show that I'll try to, uh, to try to grow a little bit and, uh, I don't know, just get better. The things that we do is, is kind of been our motto for the past Dude. couple of years. That's awesome, man. And for anyone who's listening to
2: this, whether they're an aspiring entrepreneur or they're just, a you know, someone who works a job or they're a student or whatever, what words of encouragement based on your own journey, based on you being a successful entrepreneur, do you have any words for them for motivation, encouragement, maybe something you would tell your
3: younger self, anything like that? Yeah, there's a there's a, there's a lot of things I would tell my younger okay. self. Uh, the, the bigger one is, um, well, the biggest one I think is put yourself around other entrepreneurs. Okay. Um, I, I feel like I, I spent too many years or moments trying to convince my brother to go into business with me or convince my coworkers to go with me you know entrepreneurs create businesses so you need to find a way to get around other entrepreneurs or at least other people who want to start businesses and legitimately want to do it a lot of people are talk and game so that's a big one uh nike's trademark just do it is huge in entrepreneurship like you're going to learn so much quickly by doing something failing learning from those mistakes Adjusting them and getting better. Um, so many people want to build the perfect business plan, or they want to have everything hashed out, or have the perfect product, and they're afraid of launching. Well, you don't get a perfect product until you launch, and you get that feedback from your customers. And then, like um, you know, I could I could probably give uh, for someone who's like thinking about hiring their first employee or building their team. Uh, there's this uh, book called Traction and um, Rockefeller Habits. Like those two guides are going to help you get the right talent into your organization and and the right kind of uh, structure that allows your team members to thrive. I think that held us back like 18 months by by not having um, the right processes to be able to bring in the right people. So Mm -hmm. those those will be my three ones for like before getting started, Mm -hmm. starting, and then as you're established. Awesome. Uh, Eric, where can people find you online? Well, I'm the only Eric Banholtz in the world, Fantastic. so if you Google me, uh, it's me. Uh, there is like a German Eric, but he spells it E-R-I-C-H. Uh-huh. Uh, but my last uh, my last name Banholtz is uh, my Twitter handle. That's my preferred one. What really, I prefer to you do is uh, invest in yourself. Go to Beardbrand.com, uh, grab a product. They they start off at like nine bucks or something like that, and start your journey of uh, investing in yourself. Uh, so that would be my favorite thing for you to do. But if you just want to shoot me a tweet, uh, that, I'd also be down for that. No doubt, man. Eric, thank you so much for coming
2: on the show, man. It's been really, really good to talk to you. And uh, yeah, everyone, check him out,
3: beardbrand.com. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, this is flown by. I appreciate it.